Good morning, church. What a difference a couple of weeks, mate. Here we are in a different situation with uh, you in a different scenario, and uh, I'm in a different scenario as well. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to look at the Word of God this morning, but perhaps look at it slightly differently. And so I thought that it would be great for us to study the Word of God this morning and have some practical applications that you can actually study during the week uh, to actually delve into uh, what the Bible and the scriptures actually can mean to you in a positive sense. So as we look at the Word of God this morning, I think there's an important question to ask here. Why do we study the Bible? Now, if I were to throw that question out to you there, I'd get as many different answers as there are people watching. And they're probably all correct. The basic premise for reading the Bible is that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And for a start, the New Testament is the story of Jesus. So it makes good sense to read that. The Old Testament is the Bible that Jesus read and quoted extensively from, so I think it's important to read that too. The second important aspect of reading the Bible is what we expect it to tell us. The purpose of every single book of the Bible, both the Old and the New Testaments, is to reveal the character of God, to reveal Jesus to us and his character, what his purpose is and what he is up to in the world. And I hope you'd agree with me that right now it's probably a good idea to be certain of what Jesus is up to in this world. With that in mind, I want to start us on a journey this morning looking at the book of Jonah. Most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah, and I, I think if I was to ask you the commonest title for the story, uh, you would give something like Jonah and the... and you'd probably substitute whale or fish. So our first preconception we need to throw out is that the fish is important in the story. That's the children's Bible story factor that we have at work inside of us. You do realise, of course, that the fish only appears in two sentences in the whole story. It's not about the fish. To make the fish the focus or the main theme is actually to miss what this story is all about. So the book of Jonah is a part of Scripture. And the purpose of Scriptures is not to entertain children or to teach us about fish. Remember, I've already said this, the Scripture's purpose is to reveal Jesus to us, his character, his purpose and what he's up to in the world. And so whatever the book of Jonah is about, it's doing that. The entire Bible is telling us what we are to do with our relationship with Jesus. And if we read anything that takes us away from that, it means we've probably got on the wrong track and we need to get back. The book of Jonah is actually one of the most brilliantly told stories in the entire Bible. It's full of wit, irony and humour. Yes, there is humour, there is even sarcasm in the Bible. And what we're going to see in this book is that Jonah is a representative character in the story. He represents the covenant people of God through whom God wants to do his work in the world. Does that remind you of anyone? Because it should, because that's us. So what this book does, it exposes Jonah's weaknesses. Jonah is a horrible man. Did you know that? He's a horrible person. Every chapter of the book just goes to expose what a horrible, flawed person he is. And by holding him up for ridicule, for shame and for our criticism, what the storyteller is really doing is similar to the plot of an action movie. I mean, how many of you have seen the, the stock sort of spy thriller where there's a dark alley or a warehouse and the good guys creeping through there trying to catch the bad guys and suddenly, in the middle of this scene, he suddenly sees a red dot appear on his chest. Now, everybody knows, the audience, everybody who's watching knows that he has been pinpointed by a gun aimed at him. And the book of Jonah is just like that for us. Because we read this story and, and it's like, this is crazy, this guy is crazy and there's this, this fish. And, and if you're paying attention, 
you'll suddenly realise that the story is actually pointing straight at you. The whole story is aimed at me. And so we need to actually read it, recognising that as it, as it exposes the worst tendencies that tend to form inside God's covenant people, that it could be looking at us. Some of those things are pride, hard-heartedness, judgmentalism, tribalism, small-mindedness, and an inability to grow and change and let God's grace actually surprise us and actually explode the boundaries of what we thought was possible in the world. And that's what this story is about. It's one of those things where you think you're reading this sort of harmless tale, and then you realise somebody's talking to you, poking you in the gut. And so I'm warning you, this could hurt. But let's dive in and look at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. We just opened up the book of Jonah. What kind of book are we reading? Well, the, our first clue is right there. The word, word of the Lord comes to what kinds of people in the Bible, especially in Israel? The prophets. In the Bible, prophet doesn't mean fortune teller. The prophets sometimes look into the future and discern what God will be doing in line with his character and so on. But for the most part, the most basic definition and role of prophets in the Bible is to speak on God's behalf. If you turn the page in your Bible or scroll down on your device, you will find another book of the prophets right after this. It's only about one page on because Jonah is actually very short. But the book of Micah begins this way. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. And this is how all the books of the prophets begin. Obadiah or Ezekiel or Zechariah, they all begin with the, the words of this prophet or the word of the Lord came to or the vision that came from God. So we turn back to the book of Jonah and we read the first sentence and we know immediately what kind of book we're about to start reading. It's a book of prophecy. Am I right? Uh, no, I'm wrong. Uh, the first sentence throws you off. Everything is wonky in this book. You think you're about to read a collection of Jonah's prophetic poetry, like every other book of the prophets. But that's not what you get. What you get is a story about this prophet. So we need to determine what kind of story this is. Because the Bible, the Bible is like a small library. You can open it up and there are many different sorts of books in it. And there are many, many different sorts of literature in all of these different kinds of books. And so there's, there's different kinds of stories, there's different kinds of poetry. There's erotic love poetry, but then there's also prophetic poetry, which has different characteristics. You can even read somebody else's mail in the Bible, in the letters of the New Testament. And we shouldn't all read all of those things the same way. Whenever we open up the Bible, the first question we should ask is, what kind of literature are we reading right now? And then that should shape what I expect to get out of this. And so that's the question we, we should ask. So, okay, this is a story about a prophet, but what kind of story is the author telling me and how can I honour God's word and let it dictate to me what kind of story this is? There is nothing else like Jonah in the Bible. There is no other book about a prophet and not only that, there's no other book that has this unique kind of storytelling style to it. And so, of course, with most things uh, in Christian literature, there are two, two viewpoints held by Orthodox Christian scholars on what kind of story this book is. Now, the first is that the author, and we don't know who the author is, has received a historical tradition about this guy called Jonah, son of Amittai, as a historical figure, and he's passing on this story as a historical account of the things that happened in the life of Jonah, which is basically a brief revival in the city of Nineveh, a 
and so on. The second view, also held by Orthodox Christian scholars, is that there's something more than meets the eye to this book. It's that Jonah is a form of narrative parable, and this is a parable based off a historical real figure. Because as we're going to see later, Jonah was a real figure based on history. But the author does not intend us to take the story as historical narrative, but rather as a parable. Similar to Luke 16, where Jesus uses a named character, Lazarus, in that parable. We will continue delving into the background to the book of Jonah next week. But right now, as we come to a close, I want us to begin to consider the implications of what we've discovered so far about this scripture. We've revealed Jonah is a representative character, and he represents God's people, God's people rather, and that's us. This book has a unique literary style. The author already has led us astray about the content to the, in the very first line. We don't actually have to read too much further to realise that Jonah is not your normal prophet, and is in fact a cad. In verse 2 we read, God has spoken to Jonah. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. So with such an offbeat approach to delivering a message from the Lord, we should be getting the feeling already that there's something that we're being told in this, something that's a game changer if we have the courage to accept what God is telling us. Let's take the time this morning to ask the questions. God, what is it you want me to see? And what do you want me to do with it? Is it those tendencies that tend to form inside us that I mentioned earlier? Are we struggling with pride? Are we struggling with hard-heartedness? Are we judgmental? Are we tribal? Are we small-minded? Do we have this inability to grow and change? Do we refuse to let God's grace actually surprise us? And are we bound by what we think is possible in this world? You may not get the answers this morning, but we need to start asking.